anyway, so I kind of start learning all this stuff. While you're while the I'm last seven years, well, you're learning, I, yeah. learning, learning. And so here's what I do. When I started understanding, okay, I got to start thinking about what I think about. Because listen, we get up every day, and how quickly do you start thinking when you wake up in the morning? Like that, right? Oh my. Eyes open, one of breakfast, coffee, work, bills, family, blah, 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 whatever's going on, right? Yeah. We think, think, think all day long, thinking about this, thinking about that, but we never stop to think about what we're going to think about. Yeah. And when you understand the implication on your thoughts from the emotion to the actions and results, it's like, whoa. I can't just I let all this right. in. I got to slow my roll yeah. and start thinking about what I'm going to be thinking about. So I start having this whole process, and I'm like, okay, if all this crazy stuff in my life has happened, I got to start thinking about other stuff. So here's what I did. I sat down at that same yeah. metal desk, and I wrote out what a perfect life for me would look like. The first thing That's I wrote down. That's what you did. You wrote out your perfect yes. life. You, all the outcomes that you wanted, yes. wrote it down. First thing I wrote down is I'm an awesome father to my son. It wasn't true at the time. I had abandoned my son. But Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits, told me that I could live out of my imagination rather than my past. Do you feel, or not do you feel, do you know that, I guess my question is, I just have an idea that most people get out of bed and they start thinking about the past. Oh like my. they start thinking about okay. freaking all You're the things. You're me off of the tangent right now, right? <laughs> so, so let's make a mental note where we were, right? Okay, because I got to tell you about the, my first prosperity plan. Yes, I need Let's to talk that. about what you just said because it's so freaking important, right? I'm going to write that down. We'll go back to that because there's so much. Yeah. Okay. Well, because, yeah, what happened next was so powerful in, in my personal story. Yeah, do people but, wake up and just freaking think of all the negative yeah. shit in their so life? So there's three dimensions. Some people would tell you four dimensions of time. But for practical purposes, three dimensions of time, right? There's the past, there's the present, and there's the future, right? Mm -hmm. What I've learned is that the most successful people live the vast majority of their time in the present moment. They look at the past briefly to learn from it, look at the future to plan for it, but 90% of their time is spent right here, doing the things today they can do to improve the quality of their life, take care of their families, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Think about the most miserable loser son of a bitch that you know. <laughs> I have where them. Does he I spend, have them. <laughs> where does he spend the majority of his consciousness, past, present, or future? Past. Angry about the ex-wife. Angry about yes, the job. Uh, angry about so... this. Resentful about this, right? Yeah, they're angry all yeah. the time. All, just miserable. Yes. Right? And then you take your neurotic people, the worry warts. Thinking about the future. Oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah, right? I can't do this. And so your consciousness cannot be in two of those places at once. You can only be in the past, present, or future at any one given moment. You can't think about tomorrow and yesterday at the same time. You just can't do it, right? Yeah. So yeah. here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy part. When you live in the present moment, mm -hmm. there is virtually, I say virtually, because this is not an absolute rule, but virtually no pain, no suffering, and no hurt in the present moment. Oh my the rare occasion, the exception, like if you were being attacked right now and someone was hitting you, yeah. the present moment sucks. Yeah. It's painful, it's scary, it's frightening. But most of that shit happens in life in rare moments. But we tend to extend its life by bringing it with us, right? Reliving it. Reliving the pain and the hurt yes. and then they, they never get out of it and they're... I mean, and is it correlated? They feel that pain. I mean, it could be something that happened to them a year ago, but they feel it and it's real to them. Because every single the emotions day. are based on what? The thought. The thought. The thought emotion. It doesn't know time. It doesn't know this, the concept of time. It's just, if I think about something that my, my mother did to me that hurt, yeah. it can hurt just as much today as it did 30 years ago. If you give it if the energy. It. and If, if you give it the energy. So here's the crazy part. We go through life. 
and life can be a real pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah. You come into this planet and you got a clean slate. You got no hurt, you got no pain, but life starts happening, right? Mm -hmm. And as we go through life, we experience hurt. We've all been lied to, cheated on, disappointed, beaten, hurt, yelled at, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So you go through life and you start experiencing hurt. Yep. And it's kind of like starts getting loaded up on you like in a backpack, right? Mm -hmm. But it happens so subtly, you don't even know it happens. It's kind of like that old story, the old uh, metaphor about the frog in the boiling water. You ever heard that? Mm -hmm. you, you, you take a pot of water and you boil it and drop a frog in it, the frog will come flying out. Yeah. But you put that frog in room temperature water and slowly boil it and he'll sit there until he dies. He won't move. So what happens in our life is that that pain happens very gradually. Mm-hmm. And you don't even realize it's happening. And one day what happens is that you're 20, 30, 40 years old. And it's just beat the hell out of you emotionally, psychologically. Yeah. Physically. Physically. It's like, oh, my God, another freaking day. Yeah. Right? And so what happens, we carry that stuff on with us. But here's the crazy part. And I'm going to show you how to do it. If you can set that stuff down. That backpack off for the And focus on the present moment. There's no pain and there's no suffering, and there's no fear and worry about the future, and I'll prove it. Pick that pin up in your hands, right? And I'm going to say go in a minute, and I want you to take 10 seconds. I'm going to count off 10 seconds for you. Yeah. During those 10 seconds, I want you to take that item in your hand, and I want you to describe it to yourself quietly in your mind in painstaking detail, right? The color, the shape, the contour, if there's writing on it, every letter. I mean, just like focus so, so intently on that thing and describe it to yourself quietly in your mind for 10 seconds. Okay. Ready? I'm going to mark 10 seconds. Oh Ready? Go. Gosh. That's 10 seconds. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. During those 10 seconds, where was your consciousness, past, present, or future? Present. Completely absorbed Completely. in the present, Completely. Right? Now let me ask you, so you mentioned a while earlier... That you had some tough times coming up. Yeah. During those 10 seconds, was there any hurt or anger or pain about those things? None. None. Because it can't exist in the present moment unless we allow it. Right? Did you have any worry about the future? No. Not during those 10 seconds because you were completely absorbed in the present moment. You're exactly right. When you live in the present moment, there's no hurt and there's no pain. It only exists in limited situations or most situations, again... If someone was beating you in the present moment, it would suck. It would hurt, right? But that doesn't happen a lot in real life. Yeah. Right? There's maybe a few moments in life where really bad, awful things happen. We tend to keep bringing it back into our present moment. Experiencing Obsessing on it. it resenting obsessing. it. Yeah, really. And so we got to learn to live in the present moment. Now, mm -hmm. there's an easy way to do that. What I tell people is you got to give yourself a freaking break from the bullshit. All that stuff in the backpack. Yeah. Take 10 or 15 minutes a day and set it off and set it down and pick up what I call a prosperity plan, which is a description of your perfect life, oh my gosh. your business, financial goals, personal relationship, health goals. For 10 to 15 minutes, learn to describe it to yourself in painstaking detail, just like you did that pen, but take a plan for your life. And visualize and for, it for and 10, feel it. Uh, yes. Napoleon Hill said, imagine yourself already in possession of these things, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at this list, this magnificent life, and for 10 to 15 minutes, that's all you think about. And then here's what happens. If you're a glutton for punishment and you want to pick this shit back up when you're done, <laughs> yeah. it'll be sitting right there. But here's what happens. 
you start recognizing how it feels because it's so present in our life yeah. that we don't even realize it's like the boiling frog, right? So if you take 10 or 15 minutes and check out from it and consciously set it down and focus on something else, yeah. then you finish, it's like, and you start thinking about the ex-wife or the mom or the dad or the whatever bullshit situation it is. It's like, whoa, this doesn't feel good. I'm not going to put that on. Like and you said, most people yes. won't put it back on. Yes, right. Because you start recognizing how depressing and debilitating it is. <laughs> Literally, It'll yeah. suck the life out of you. Yes. And so what happens? You start getting in the habit of living more and more in the present moment. Every now and then, a memory of that thing is going to come into mind. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, don't fight it. Don't try not to think about something. If I say... Apollonia, don't think about the color red. Whatever you do right now, don't think about red. Yeah. It's impossible, right? You're going to yeah. think about red. Yeah. So if, I'm, if, if I have anger over an ex-wife or my parents or whatever it is, mm-hmm. if I tell myself don't think about it, I'm just going to think about it. So what I do is when I have one of those thoughts in my past that yeah. are unpleasant, hurtful, whatever, mm-hmm. I just visualize it, I acknowledge it, and I'm like, hit the bricks. Yeah. Just watch it go through, right? Now, you know, maybe... Five hours later, I think about it again. Hey, there you go. That was a pain in the ass. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. You can't fight that stuff, but you got to learn to live in the present moment. Now, here's the key. I want to back up just a smidgen because we were talking about me and that metal desk. In your first prosperity plan. Yes. Yes. I start writing it out. I'm an awesome father to my son. I'm wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. I have a beautiful home on the beaches of Maui. I have a beautiful home in Colorado. I've written books, blah, blah. I visualize this whole thing, right? The last thing on my list is I'm a man of honor, character, and integrity. Right, Because in Seven Habits, I learned that I could not compromise the principles of faith, fidelity, honor, etc. Yeah. I could only destroy myself yeah. trying to fight those things. So I realized how important that was. Right. In fact, in my first book, I write that you know, character is knowing what to do. Uh, integrity is doing what nobody's watching. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, those type, and like, you, you got to live by, 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 that, by the, those principles. Right? So I take that list, and I pick it up, and I get a little tube of toothpaste. And I put toothpaste on the four corners. <laughs> and I stuck it to the wall on my cell. I love how that list, and I'm sure this is what you teach, is that mm-hmm. it wasn't only the physical things that somebody mm-hmm. could acquire. Right. You put in there how you wanted to show up and how you wanted to feel about yourself, character, right. and how you yep. wanted other people. Yep. And so that's, are you saying, I mean, that's equally There's as important. three categories. Important. There's only three things that matter in your life. Number one is your money, which is your career, your financial security, the mm-hmm. financial security of your family, your future, your relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Spouse, kids, community, family, friends, whatever, and your health, mental, yes. spiritual, physical health. Mm-hmm. Those three things, we have to figure out, this is getting into the, the, the process, what do I want in each of these areas, specifically, Right? Napoleon Hill said you have to have a definite purpose. Yes. Specifically, what do I want in my business, my sales, my income? The details. Right? And you can describe it however you want as long as you're specific. Okay. Right? What do I want in my relationships? What kind of marriage? What kind of kids? Et cetera, et cetera. What do I want in my health? Mental, spiritual, physical health. Okay. You've got to write it out and then write down one or two things you've got to do every single day to get that thing. That's where people screw it up. Like, the action part. Yeah, but it's so simple, right? Because what people do is they want to write down every conceivable thing they need to do to make a million dollars, right? Yeah. All you got to do is write down the first one or two. What if I got a, a thousand mile journey begins with a single step, right? Yeah. What have I got to do today to go one step closer to the million dollars? Not tomorrow, not a year from now. Today. I will have people come to me like, well, when my business grows, where am I going to get all the people? I'm like, you're looking at step 100. Don't even worry Look about at, it. Right? You'll figure it out when you get there. That's what I was saying about the coffee story. 
You just got to know you're going to get there. You don't have to know every step of the way because then you get the paralysis through analysis, right? Yes. You yes. overthink it. You don't do anything, right? You become paralyzed because and engineers and technical people are horrible about this <laughs> because they want to plan. They want to know every step. Yeah, like, let's just. So if I want to make a million dollars, what two things could you do every single day to move you one step closer? In sales, I tell people run every call of passion and purpose. Learn to diagnose problems or recommend solutions like a boss. And ask for the order every time. Just focus on those three things on every call. Right? And then my relationship. What if I want to have a great relationship with my, my wife? Two simple things. Uh, and by the way, I recommend anybody. Are you married? Yeah. Yeah. The, have the five love, five love languages. Have you read it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like we just went through it recently again and like did like for half a day mm-hmm. the exercises. And it's like... You learn so there's one or two things you need from your husband every single day. Yeah. It ain't rocket science. It ain't even a million dollars. No. Right? Right. No. For my wife, it's acts of services and words of encouragement. Yep. That type of stuff. So I tell my wife every single day she's beautiful and amazing. Every day, even on days she, she doesn't. You're <laughs> you know, like, you're amazing. Right, right, <laughs> every day. Right. right. And, you know what she and, needs. And learn yeah. to listen. Learn to listen without because guys, when a woman comes to us with a problem, we go into problem solving mode. Yeah. Right? Women will discuss a problem with no intentions or desire to solve it. They just want to talk about it, right? Men are like, if we're not solving the problem, why the hell are we talking about it? Right? Like, I just wanted to run it past you, but I already have my own agenda, but right. I just wanted exactly. to talk you about it. You know how to solve the problem, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's like, if, you know, learn to listen and, you know, learn little things. Find out, you know, but that's all you got to do. It's simple. It, it, it's simple. Listen, the confused mind says no. People want to make a million dollars, and they think they need to have every plan mapped out for the next five years. Yes. Good luck with that one. <laughs> yeah. What can you do today? This is what kills people. I was going to say, is this what ends people's it dreams? Is. is just not knowing the first step, but in reality, it's so simple. Right. And you got, so in the, the power of consistency, I write that the single biggest thing that holds people back in business and in sales, it's not a lack of talent a lack of desire, a lack of ability. It's a lack of focus. They get focused on the wrong things. They get focused on the problems and the worries or and the just, what ifs. Or, like, or they'll get focused on busy work, right? Like sales I guys see. will drive around the block thinking about <laughs> what they're going to say yeah. instead of just pulling in and walking the door and saying something, anything. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'll consult with business owners and they, they're, like, they're, they're spending their time like, oh, well, uh, what kind of truck should we get? Or, or what kind of offer? Who gives a rip? Right? You don't have any customers yet. Get customers first. <laughs> yeah. So I got a prison in 2003. Okay. I worked for a year as a salesman selling air conditioners. I know nothing about air conditioners, but I got a job selling air conditioners. You have your prosperity plan. You go right. out and get a job. Yes. Yeah, so seven years later, I get out. I'm living in a homeless shelter, by the way, in Colorado Springs, but I'm a man on a mission. I'm 40 years old, 39 years old at that point. I'm in this shelter. I got to get a job. I go out and knock on doors for six months. Oh my gosh. I finally find a job. That's a whole other six-month story I could tell you. I was going to say it's I knocking find, on doors. Oh my like God. the best sales experience on the planet. Absolutely. I've heard. Right. Yeah. I tell people all the time, yes is a great answer, but no is a perfectly acceptable answer. <laughs> no, people get so freaked out about no. Who, what's wrong with no? Okay. Give me a final line. When I go on a sales call, now we're going to the sales. 99% of what I'm trying to do, if I'm trying to sell you this phone, yeah. all I really want, Apollonia is for you to give me a final decision either way, yes or no. No is a perfectly acceptable answer. Okay. The only thing that will destroy me in sales is the I don't knows. I'm going to call you next Tuesday. That's what kills salespeople. Because they didn't do their job and getting, they didn't make the... I, listen, what I want is for you to accept me or reject me face-to-face. 
Whoa. I don't want you to say no to me over the email or by not returning my phone calls. Yeah. If I'm on the phone with you or I'm face-to-face and I get you to make a final decision, just what does common sense tell you about the probability that it might be a yes? Yeah. Because it's hard for people to reject us one-on-one, on the phone or face-to-face. We want to reject people by not returning emails, mm-hmm. by not returning phone calls. And so what somebody says, they, they don't want to do the hard work of having the face-to-face conversation on the phone. They want to send an email so they can distance themselves from it, right? Yeah. How easy is it to ignore an email? So easy. We do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So salespeople, what we should be trying to do is to get a final answer. I, and I will tell you early on, I'm going to say, now, Apollonia, I'm going to talk to you today about our products and services. And I know you probably had bad experience with some salespeople before. Is that fair to, say, to assume? Yeah. yeah. I'm not that guy. I'm a professional you know, cell phone sales guy. Right? Yeah. So I take care of my family. I'm very proud of the work that we do. Right? Communication with your family and friends and your community is important, right? Well, I'm about to buy a phone from you. Right, but here's, here's, here's what I do. Listen, I want to take all the time you need here today because you're my exclusive focus right now. Mm-hmm. Right? If you want to be here three hours, I'm here three hours with you. All I want to do is I want to take all the time that you need to answer all your questions to make sure I get the right phone in the, in the phone program, the plan that you need for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And of course, I want to make sure it fits in the family budget. And all I ask at the end of that process, Apollonia, is very simple. Just let me know one way or the other whether or not you think I'm a good fit for you and your family. And no is a perfectly acceptable answer. So you just put it fair? right up front out that there. a no is okay. Just give that people, to me. People are so crazy when it comes to sales. They're in sales, and they think they're going to like sneak up on somebody. <laughs> they're not going to know I'm a sales guy. People know that you're trying to sell them something if you're in that environment. Yeah. Let me tell you about this experience I had a couple of weeks ago. So I love Toomey luggage. Okay. Right? And I go through it every couple of years because I travel 200,000 miles a year. Two years, it gets beat to hell, and I want new stuff. So they have the Toomey shops in a lot of the airports, right? Yeah. So whenever I'm traveling, I'll go in the Toomey shops. I'll look at the latest, greatest, coolest stuff, Right. And then I'll never buy it there because I got luggage. I don't want to take it with me. Yeah. And I'll just get home. My wife will order for me online or I'll go online and order it, right? Yeah. Right? But I like to look at it so I can see it. So I'm in Cincinnati. Yeah. A couple uh, weeks ago. Two of the weeks ago. Okay. And I go in the Toomey shop there. And of course, I'm going to look at some luggage. I walk in. It's a Saturday morning. I'm on my way back to Colorado. And there's this young girl, can't be more than 20 years old. She's sitting there in the store Saturday morning. And I walk in. I said, how you doing? She says... You greet her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I walk in. She, yeah, she's there like, you know. <laughs> I was going right? to... Yeah. And I walk in. I said, how you doing? She looks up. She goes, I'll be doing a lot better if you buy something today. And I'm like, I love that. <laughs> she's not going to sit there and retail that like, oh, uh, if you need anything, let me know. I'll just be over here. The comment. That's what you're going to say. Right? No, what she says is, hey, I'll be a lot better if you buy something. And then she lit up. She comes over. She spends 20 minutes with me. She shows me the zippers and the this and that and the other stuff. We she actually at, got up and talked yeah, to you. and she did a great job. But she created the expectation the moment I walked in that she wanted me to buy. Wow. And most salespeople are like, no, I'm just going to educate you today. We're not really trying to sell bullshit. You're trying to sell me something. Yeah. That's why you're in this retail store. That's why you're in, we're on this sales call, right? And people try to dance around it. So I go through this process for 20 minutes with her, and the whole time she, I'm like, I feel obligated. Like, I mean, she wants me to buy something. I'm in. So for the first time in my life, I bought the Toomey luggage in the store and had her ship it to me. Oh my god! Because she created the expectation, I felt like she wants my business. I felt like if I walked out on her, I would disappoint her. But if she had done like most salespeople, oh, let me let know me if you know see something. If you right. see then I just kind of sneak out of the store when she's not looking, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's crazy. She did her job. Let, I was talking to a guy the other day, a week or two ago, 
one of the top sales guys in the industry. It's an industry where the average person's doing about two million a year. This guy's selling five million a year. Jeez. Right? He's like way better than everybody else, right? So we're talking. I'm like, what's the secret sauce? He says, well, I just let people know right out of the gate that I hope we do business. I said, well, tell me what you say. He goes, well, sit down. I'll say, listen, Mr. Prospect, I don't know if you're going to buy like our finest, most expensive products yeah. or our cheapest, most economical, but I got a feeling we're going to do some business today. He creates the as simple as that. And it's as simple it. as that. Create the expectation, and then do what I call the intention statement. You know, let me know one way that knows a perfectly acceptable answer. By the way, yeah, it creates the expectation that I hope you buy from me, but knows okay. Yeah, man, what, that's so powerful. Yeah, and it's so simple. The simple stuff is always the best stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just like it's just I mean, just being straightforward, transparent. Here's what we hope, you know, and that's just sales and business. People are missing the fundamentals all over the place. I mean, just they, thinking about my own sales experience right. for, you know, going into stores or anything right. like that. Yeah. If I got an oil and gas company, and by the way, most difficult job I ever had in my life was working on a freaking oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico when I was 18 years oh old. Oh my gosh, I had no oh idea. My, and I got hurt. I could have used a safety person out there to help me. Safety team. I was mixing this mud and it like it spewed and all this caustic Caustic. They had to fly me back in. I went, this is out on the Gulf Coast, right? Yeah. Fly me back in the hospital and uh, somewhere in Texas. But anyway, caustic. Yeah. Freaking. Oh, it was oh bad. Gosh. It was bad. It was like like I could not wait to not be doing that job <laughs> anymore. Right? And I made it one summer, and that was it. We in do fact, have a lot of caustic burns. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, but if if you if I have this oil company and you come in my office mm-hmm. and I know that you sell safety services. You're not going to surprise me by telling me something or wanting. I know why you're here. Yeah. So to me, it's like simple things. Here's another simple. I mean, these are such easy, easy. I mean, I have a whole process, right? Yeah. But, but that's like, you got to learn that. It takes time. Here's one that people often overlook. How many times have you heard in sales that people buy from people they like? That's all like day, number one. Right? Yeah, all day. So as salespeople, we go in and my job is to make you like me. Yeah. And trust me. Yeah. And if so, maybe you'll buy from me. Yeah. But people forget that people also buy from people that like them. It's the flip side of that coin. I've never thought about it that way. People ever. buy from people they like, but they also buy from people who like them. Who like them. Because so, they feel obligated? Is that? Well, I mean, you just want to do business and be friendly with people that like you. <laughs> Right. Okay. So yeah. my job when I come in to say this phone, of course, I want you to like me and I'm going to be on time and honest and transparent and all those things. I'm going to try to be funny and cute and charming and all the stuff that you got to be. But I got to make sure you know that, hey, I dig you, man. You're kind of a cool person. Now, yeah. How do you do that without being, you know, obnoxious and, and, and annoying? Yeah. Ask advice. So if I come into you. I and, do that so naturally. Yeah. I always ask for advice. And it's great because <laughs> who do you ask advice from? People that I, I People admire that and think they're successful, right. yeah. So if I'm trying to sell you, like, a phone, and we start talking about whatever, what do you do for a living, or what do you, you know, and you tell me that you ride motorcycles. I've never owned a motorcycle, but if I was going to get in a motorcycle, what would be the first thing you'd tell me to do? Yeah. And, what, and boy, you, you ask people advice or something they love, they go, all really? of a sudden they become effusive, right? You go, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. And what I'm communicating to you is I like you. And I value your opinion because mm-hmm. I'm asking your advice on this. Mm-hmm. So it's not just enough. Most people go into sales like, oh, we're a great company and we're this. And we got I'm a know-it-all. Yeah, I got this. And it's like, wait a second. You got to let them know like, hey, I mean, I've gone so far when it's true, when it's legit on sales calls and I'll meet some fascinating person and they'll start telling me something and I'll be like, 
holy cow, you are a fascinating human being. Yeah. Right now, if it's, if it's, if it's fake, if it's contrived, you're going to get toasted. <laughs> right? But if you genuinely care about people and salespeople, you have to care about people. You have to be naturally curious. Right? Oh right? Ask simple, like, well, well, I mean, why do you, I mean, how many times have we been on a sales call and the prospect says something that just doesn't add up? Yeah. Right? Like they'll say, well, we haven't talked to your competitor yet. And you see the competitor's quote over there under the, the credenza or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, but you got to call, you got to say, well, I mean, I'm confused because I'm this ABC company right there. I mean, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Right? Transparency. You got to be naturally curious. When people say things don't add up, tell me more about that. Yeah. Right? Simple things. And so when you, so as soon as you get out, you start this business and it's wildly successful. You said it was sold for. The first year I worked for somebody else. Oh, okay. First year. And I saved my money. I had, I had the ultimate credit repair. Go to prison for seven years. (laughs) It fixes everything. I I get out there like you're a ghost, man. You don't exist. Right. Perfect. Uh, But so I didn't have a lot of bills. And so. Ended up meeting a girl. We were living together, and I saved a lot of money as much as I could. I was making great money selling for another company, and uh, we opened our own heating and air conditioning company. I grew that okay. from two million my first year, three and a half, seven million. Then in 08, 09, the economy cooled off. Yes. We didn't panic. We just decided to work harder. Leveled off about six and a half, seven million per year. Twenty million dollars in revenue those five years. Sold the company in January of 2010. Oh yeah, gosh. and then I started. Actually, I wrote my first book even before I sold the company and started consulting. And it's kind of why I sold the company because it was hard to run a company and do the traveling that I do. And and what mm-hmm. inspired you the most to write that first book? Was oh, it? Oh, are you ready six... for another crazy story? Yes. Okay. Did you so? Want... Did a buddy call you? Or like, no. what happened? So, I had been thinking even when I was in prison, right? When I read *Man's Search for Meaning*, uh, Victor Frankl in that book says you got to find the purpose in your suffering. Mm. Because if something bad happens and you just experience it as pain, it's really hard to cope with, right? He learned this in the concentration camps. When people, the prisoners there, when they couldn't deal with the pain because they didn't see any significance to it, it was just suffering, they would commit suicide. And the way they would do that is they would go to the fences and put their hand on the fence and the guards would shoot them, right? So he became really interested. Why do some people get through it like like Franklin Yes, I'm interested in that too. And here's what he found. That people that find significance and purpose in the pain can thrive. People that find significance in the suffering. So whatever happened to you when you were little Mm -hmm. that you talked about, you've got to look at them. Maybe you've already done this. You've got to look at them. What was the purpose? Mm -hmm. What was the significance? And the reason that's that's helpful because as we get older and we learn stuff, it's like painful stuff still happens. Yeah. But now when something bad happens in my life, instead of like, oh, this is miserable, like, where's the lesson? Yes. Where's the point? That's how I feel too. And yeah. I love how you keep referring to the fact that every single person is going to get punched in the face with oh. life. Like you keep saying that. You say that, you know, you're going to go through rough times, but Nobody like you will continue way. to get hurt right. all yeah. the time. It's and, the nature of our existence. Really. And, yeah, and like how we deal with that is what right. you're saying That's is going to be... It's no point. The, the most successful people are not successful because they somehow avoided money, <laughs> relationship, and health problems. No. Right? Nobody escapes that. They're successful because they've learned how to thrive in the face of those challenges, those difficulties, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the simplest philosophy, you can express it this way, that your success in life is a reflection of how well you deal with bullshit because you're going to face bullshit. Money problems, business problems, relationship problems, right? Health problems. Somebody you know is going to 
get sick and die. You're going to mm-hmm. get sick and die one day. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody gets out of life. Nobody gets through without getting their teeth knocked out, right? Yeah. Bam, 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 right? Yeah. Life. The key is, how do I respond to those things? Yes. Right? How do I thrive in the face of those things? Yes. So, so what happens to inspire yeah. this book? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my so, gosh. I'm in the heating and air conditioning business. Again, I don't know the first thing about it. Uh, from a mechanical, technical perspective, yeah. I, uh, when I had the company, I said, we're not in the heating and air conditioning business. We're in the sales and marketing business, and we happen to install air conditioners and because everybody else, philosophy. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody else is in the heating and air conditioning business. So guess what they're good at? Heating and air conditioning. Yeah. I'm good at sales and marketing. Who's going to win that battle? You. I, all I, day. All day. I'm going to outperform them. So I opened the company in, at the end of 04, right? 05, do great. Come out of the gate. All of a sudden, the, the, the community, the, the contracting community, the, the, you know, who are these guys? Second year, three and a half million, right? Third year, I went out and bought two or three competitors and started consolidating companies, right? Really? So now we're really growing. We're the largest company in Southern Colorado in this residential heating and air conditioning. Wow. And guess what the local contracting community thought about that? We're going to get this dude. He's a convict, and he's beating our ass, and we're not going to stand for it. We were pulling twice the number of permits as our nearest competitor. So we were out competing them, right? And they were not happy. Of course they weren't. Right. Yeah, of course oh, they weren't. That's they... a whole other thing. Don't expect a ticket. I mean, people listening right now, you get your shit together and you get laser focused on stuff you're going to do and you stop making excuses and you start overcoming the challenges. Don't expect a ticker tape parade. Don't wow. expect a garden party. There will be people in your life, people that you love, people that you trust that will be threatened. By your by success and yeah. your, your drive and your focus. I it's like, like how you said that. It's like when I was a kid... We used to go in South Louisiana, we'd go crabbing, right? You throw these metal trips, uh, traps off a bridge and they collapse. They'll sit on the bottom of the bayou and you put some chicken necks in there or something. The crabs will all come in there and you just lift it up and they'll just like come right up, right? Yeah. They just stay in the cage. Yeah. They can climb out of the cage. They got claws, right? But they don't. They don't. It's coming up. They just look around like, okay, this is kind of weird. We're flying through the air, except for that one. And you start climbing out. What do the other ones do? Freaking pull him down. Pull him down. Hey, cliches are cliches because they're true. Misery loves company. I totally believe that. (laughs) Yeah. Someone has a negative, negative vibe, negative energy. I'm like, I just, you can't be in my life. Yeah. No matter. I I did this Facebook post. I did uh, an event a couple of years ago at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I was doing this keynote. And it was like, basically, you're the average of the five people you hang out with most. Yeah. And so my video marketing people took a clip of it, put it up on the Facebook. It's had hundreds of thousands of views. And you would not believe the negative mean, oh, you're so selfish, you don't care about the people. That's not the point. Oh, my god. The gosh. point is, is that you have to understand that, you know, it's a biblical principle. Bad associations, spoil yeah. you some habits. you yeah. got to be careful who you hang out with because they're feeding your brain. That's the truth. Right? They're feeding your brain. So we have this success. In 2007, I get a letter from the Pikes Peak Regional Building Department, and they said, hey, uh, we're going to do, do a review of your license. Okay. Okay. You know, You're like, is cool. this normal? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know, right? So I go down, and it's kind of a city council meeting, and there's this big room and these five or six men up behind the, their, you know, their, their desk up there on this kind of platform, and there's a room full of homeowners and contractors doing their business, and yeah, the guy hits his gavel and says, we're going to call this meeting to order. Uh, and they announce my name, and I come up the podium, and the guy says, we're going to move for an executive session. And my first reaction is like, they know who's up in this bitch, right? They got <laughs> an executive session, right? I didn't special know treatment for me. Executive session means private. So all the homeowners leave, all the contractors, stenographer, everyone leaves. You're like, what's going on? What's going on? And as they're, notice, as they're leaving, I'm noticing the names 
on these placards, right? Now, I, I don't give a rip about these people. I'm building my business. I stay focused on what I'm for, not what I'm against. I don't worry about the competition. Oh, I like I that. I just focus on what I'm working on. But I start looking at their names. I recognize their names as the owners of all my competitors. Turns out these are voluntary positions. Of course they are. The people that govern my license and my, my business are competitors against whom we're thumping. So I'm starting to be like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. The guy, the chairman says, Mr. Long, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. But you're not going to have a contracting license in El Paso County. I'm like, whoa, we had just, wow. I, mean, I had 40, 50 employees at this point. We had just purchased other companies, borrowed a ton of money. And this, I'm like, whoa. My first impression was that, okay, they just want more information. They heard it went to prison. They just need information. I said, Mr. Chairman, can I take just a few minutes? He goes, yeah. I said, listen, we run a clean business. You can come in and pull my credit. You can check my taxes. Yeah. You can check on my suppliers. You can call any one of my customers. I mean, we, we are like the cleanest, tightest operation. And I changed my life, and my dad died. And I told him the whole story, right? Went on for probably 40 minutes. I finished. The guy says, that's a, that's a great story, Mr. Wong. But like I said, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And then I realized this was not about me. This was about them getting rid of me. Them, yeah. So I'm sitting there, and now I go into full panic. If they pull my license, I'm going to lose my, lose everything, right? This is insane. So there was a guy sitting to my left in the corner, and he had previously introduced himself as the county attorney. And so I turned. I said, Mr. County Attorney, do you understand what's going on here? He goes, yeah, we're trying to protect the community from people like you. <gasps> I'm like, have you heard a word I've said? I mean, yeah. we, I, I told them stories of the things we did for customers. We, we had a, a cancer victim, for example, one time. We refunded all of her money because she got cancer to sell her house. We would do things for our customers our competition well, would beyond. do. Yeah. I have to with my background because people are always waiting for me to fulfill a stereotype, and it's never going to mm. happen. I was just having a conversation with the Zig Ziglar people this morning. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things on my prosperity plan is I resolve all financial conflict in the other person's favor. I won't even argue about it. You say I owe you ten grand instead of two grand. Here's ten grand. Yeah. Right. Because the universe just keeps dumping money in my direction. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Right? I always resolve things in the other person's favor. Right. Yeah. So I, I asked. I, he says we're trying to. I said you. I said have you heard what I said? Yeah. What are you talking about? I said listen. About? These guys are all my competitors. This is a total conflict of interest. They're trying to pull my license because I'm outperforming them. We've been doing this. We've been doing that. To his his credit, the county attorney's like, okay, maybe I better look into this some more because all he heard is Thank all some. Thank you. All he heard was all some scumbag convict that needed to have the license pulled. When I started telling him what was going on and our performance, how we were outperforming these other companies, he got suspicious. So he calls for a 30 day continuance. I go out meanwhile, and I hire a very high-profile attorney who gets with the county attorney. Like, hey, we're going to sue you guys the moon and back. Yeah. This guy's done nothing wrong. Yeah. I mean, his license is legit. He on my license, I checked the box uh, it, that I had a felony record. No one ever asked me any more about it. Doesn't mean you can't have a license in Colorado. So everything was on the up and up. Mm -hmm. So they end up dropping the whole thing, right? But. They said they would do it the easy way or the hard way. Yeah. When the easy way didn't work, they went to the hard way. <laughs> Which was? A couple of weeks later, I get a call from a reporter at the Colorado Springs Gazette, our local newspaper, who happens to be doing a story on my life what? and whether or not I should be allowed to have a contracting license. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm a freaking HVAC contractor. They're acting like I'm running for mayor or something, right? <laughs> yeah. What so I give my statement to the guy because I got to at least respond. I go out to get my paper a couple of mornings later. Oh my gosh. I get the paper and I'm getting ready to open it. You're the front head. Front <laughs> page above the fold. Uh, Ex-con's life in the balance. They've got a 20-year-old mugshot, like six inches by four inches, on the 
And then you open, you open the thing, and it's like the like seven columns, like from quitting high school to getting divorced and the rest for this. And then in the middle of that page was like a little summary box. Your statement with every no everything I ever did: arrest, conviction, prison, blah blah blah. People have asked me before, why didn't you sue him? I'm like, this shit was true. It just it just looked really bad when you put it in one little box of black and white. <laughs> the next three years, Apollonia, the next three years, when we would go on a sales call, if one of our competition had been there before, they would have a picture Amen. of my mugshot on the homeowner's kitchen table with the criminal record uh, copy in the back. What pieces of shit. Yeah. Wow. And I said, you know what? Yeah, how did you do No it? one's ever, well, the seed of equivalent benefit and grist for the mill, Napoleon Hill. Make it grist for the mill. What I did was train my salespeople is we can't let them define us. When we walk into a house, the first conversation we started having is, let me tell you the story of the guy that started their company. And we tell my story in context. Yes. The whole story, right? So we had our best year ever in 2007. We continued to destroy those guys. But here was a lesson. That was in 2007, later that fall, I was on Maui, and I was at a concert with Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac, but he's got a local band. He lives mm-hmm. out there. Mick Fleetwood and the Island Rumors Band. And I'm outside of the stars. I'm listening to the band. And I'm like, I'm going to write a book. Because no son of a bitch is yeah. ever going to leverage me and threaten me over my past again. I'm going to put it out there. And so I wrote the book. The book comes out. I just got I didn't consider. Wow. <laughs> I didn't consider myself a writer at the time. I was a contractor, a businessman, right? Yeah. The book is selected by Writer's Digest as their best autobiography of the year. The New York Book Festival Best Autobiography of the Year. All of a sudden, I'm getting calls to do speaking, and and and, and that's like the whole course of my, oh my professional gosh. life changed at that point. That's how I started getting into consulting and writing and speaking and all that stuff. Was through the adversity. Yes, that's what Napoleon Hill says. Through every adversity is the seed of equivalent benefit, and you have to look for it. What is the seed of equivalent benefit? What's the silver lining here? And so these guys try to do everything in their power to tear me down. And all it did was, was inspire out. me to say, no one's ever going to do this again. I wrote the book and then everything changed. Right? That just I mean, circles back to totally. how you deal with the shit that happens in your life. Like yes, you, I'm you, good at dealing with bullshit. That, that I am is so it. good at dealing with bullshit. I don't care what it is. I've learned that you just pause, you think, you strategize. Mm-hmm. What can I do here? If you believe like with certainty the way I do, that there is some positive seed of equivalent benefit. There's something I have to learn. During if you this. really believe that mm-hmm. and could just sit back and say, okay, what's the lesson? Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do here? Rather than reacting, knee-jerk reaction emotionally and getting upset. And yeah. say, okay, what is, what is the, I don't care how bad the situation is. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you got to deal with adversity. Wow. That's the key. That's the key to life. It's the key to business. Listen, when I do business development and sales training, I won't even offer that to my clients unless they all go through my mindset training first. They, you need them to understand they that. They have to understand. Yeah. Because if they don't understand the prosperity mindset, yeah. I'm going to give them business and sales tools like, oh, we can't use that. The economy's bad. Right? <laughs> you if, can't hear that. Right. And so you have to understand the mindset that the bad economy, the cheap competitors, the, 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 the difficult customers, yeah. all that determines is how hard you have to work. It doesn't mean you can't be successful. In other words, when the economy is great, it might be easier to be successful. Mm-hmm. But if the economy collapses, that doesn't mean you can't be successful. No. It just means you're going to have to work harder. Yeah. It just changes your strategy. I feel like 98% of people would have thrown in the towel after facing what you would face. Because yeah. that would have been the time that's like, hey, you know, it wasn't, 
that's it. It wasn't meant to be, you know, everything it looks like in my life right now, everything is piling up against me. And, yeah. you know, I gave it, I gave it a good shot, but this is how my life is meant to be. Right. I'm not supposed to succeed. Yeah. So, right. But I'm wow. looking for the lesson. I'm looking for the significance, the meaning and the difficulty. Guys, thank you so much for watching part two. Next week, we'll be launching part three. Stay tuned.